Hello and welcome back to the Dirt Talk Podcast, episode 80. 80, 8 zero. 8 zero. Kind of amazing. Our numbering system is a little misleading. We've done a lot more than 80, but... Yeah, we're like 115. That's crazy. That's a lot. You a and lot I have done... Let's see. I came on maybe like episode 55. And since then, it's been two a week for... Yeah. A, a, a while. So episode, uh, welcome to episode 80. So we have we have Brock Johnson on this week. Uh, a lot of the feedback we've heard is, hey, get more younger people on the podcast. Get more um, operators on the podcast. Get more just normal people on the podcast. We're, you know, cool. You, you got these big time people on here. It, it, it just happens. Like we don't. Yeah. It's not like we've planned for one way or the no. other. Just like. I wish people get little really, runs yeah, here and there. I wish they like peeks, they could peek behind the curtain and see how we do this because it's not that strategic. I mean, you, you it, do more of the strategic. Yeah, stuff yeah. I mean, if At your full time job was being on a podcast, it would be much more strategic. But it's not. No, this is part of what you do. No, so uh, Brock, he's a friend of the podcast. Yeah, and he has a really cool story because he uh, started at a crushing outfit then went to become an operator, still is an operator mm-hmm. for a, a large company in Minnesota, but started a company back in January, a, a earthwork company. Yep. So he's he's working at a company now. Prograde while, Excavation. Prograde Excavation, while also working at his own business on the weekends and at nights. While also he just moved and is- Has a young child. Newly wedded, <laughs> oh, yeah. has a young child. I don't- I don't actually know how he does it. But he puts a lot of great language to why he does it. Fantastic. It was a fantastic conversation. Yeah. I learned a lot. It'll be super valuable for anybody that that is starting out in the dirt world, wants to start a contracting company. Um, he was very uh, transparent. Yeah. Kind of told us everything, which I very much appreciate because none of this is a secret. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I love that and I hope he does really well. And I hope you enjoy this episode with Mr. Brock Johnson. Like we just talked about briefly before we started recording this, you recently started a company, but how'd you start in the dirt world in general? So I was in high school and I started at a aggregate wash plant. Okay. So I was a groundsman at an aggregate wash plant. What is, what is an aggregate wash plant? So we wash rock, sand, pea rock, you know, kind of separate all the material from the crush after the crushing guys, you know, put it up in a pile. Then we would wash the material out and you'd separate your seven ace concrete rock, your FA2, your pea rock, your wash sand, oversize, et cetera. How'd you get that job? I lived about two miles from the pit. It was on the same gravel road when I, where I grew up. You just drove by it every day and you're like, that seems like a pretty cool gig. Yeah. I turned 18 in the fall. So I worked at uh, manufacturing for a little while. And then in the springtime, I went out there and I applied and I started right when they were setting up for the summer. Did you know anybody there? No, didn't know a single person. So you just at 18 just walked in and said, can I apply for a job? Yep. Walked in and. Applied for the job. I had to, at that time for school, I only had three classes. So I actually, my whole afternoon was working. So I would go to school until like noon. And then from, 
I had nothing going on from noon. So I'd go to work at one, work one to six. What was the motivation to go get a job in the first place? I mean, ever since I've been a kid, all summer, all I did was work with my grandpa. We cut trees and that's all we did all summer. So it just was kind of natural to work a lot. So it's just working, working during school hours and being done at six compared to going to school till three and then work till nine was, you know, it's pretty simple just to, to work at that point. It is. Uh, there's a lot of young people that always message me asking how to get started in the dirt world. And it really is that simple, especially in today's world of just walking in and asking for a job. And you'd be amazed. Most people will actually give you a job. Not yeah. that hard. Uh, so you just started out as just labor? Yep. Yeah, basically a laborer. Um, they would throw me in the loader. Uh, if they needed, uh, if a guy was gone or whatever. So I'd feed the, help feed the plant and, you know, run a 980H or 980K. That's what they had at the moment. So. How long did you work at that pit for? Uh, I worked at that pit for one season. And then I switched and I went on to a portable crushing crew for the same company. So I would travel, you know, about three hours within home. And then run as laborer for another year on the road. And then uh, we had a loader guy or the dozer guy quit. So they threw, they hired another dozer guy. Then they kind of canned him because he wasn't doing so good. And I was running loader at the moment and they threw me in the dozer. And I've been, so that's kind of how I got into the equipment side, I guess. And that's yet another lesson people always ask how do you get into equipment and it's just go get a job and then it's only a matter of time you kind of just hang around work your ass off and some guy will get fired or quit and they need a guy to hop in the seat and there you are and you just make it work yep and that's how it was and you know it all started with hey can you go do this for a little bit and you know, as the years, as the summer went on, then I, you know, they knew that I could run the dozer good enough to be productive, but then they knew I could run the loader good enough to be productive. And then when it came time for me to step in and they needed an equipment operator, then I got boosted up to equipment. Imagine that. Now you're in, you're in Minnesota, so it gets cold in the winter and you got to make the most of the summer. So how many hours do you typically work on an operation like that a day and a week? So when I was crushing, we worked, I would show up at 4.45 in the morning. And then we would be done anywhere from 5.30 to 8 at night, depending on, we did all of our repairs every night after work. So if we had a belt rip, we would just, you know, band-aid it till the end of the day. And then... Once it came to the end of the day, we'd replace the belt if you needed it or put a big patch in. It's pretty gnarly. A lot of hours. At that, I mean, and I was seven, oh, I would have been 19, I think it was. Yeah, 19, 20 when I was doing that. So, and then I'd be gone for 11 days straight. Then I'd have three days off. How was being away from home? Actually, I it was really good uh, financial-wise for me. I really learned how to save money. And how to spend money. I mean, I spent a lot Mm -hmm. of money, but it actually showed me how to manage money the most, you know, how much I can spend, but yet I need to put this away because I have 
uh, I lived out of a camper, so I had a camper payment and then I had, uh, the lot rent. So I had to make sure I paid for all of that. And then groceries on top of that. And then, you know, going to and from work. And I take it you spent some money on things like snowmobiles or what? Uh, no, I, uh, actually my last two years for the company, I ended up buying a, basically a brand new pickup. And then I bought a brand new side by side. Everybody's been there. <laughs> I I mean they spend the money. I mean, but I ended up selling both now. So I mean, it's just one of those That's deals. What happens when you start a company? Um, when you yeah. when when did you learn saving was important? Because I feel like a lot of young people don't learn that, or it takes them a while to learn that, and they just spend yeah. and spend and spend because they're making really good money. And they're young and they've never made even remotely that much money before. And it catches up to the, it always catches up to them. How'd you figure that one out? So that was a little more difficult. I actually ended up going to Arizona for three weeks and I had this trip planned out from like the first week of October, like the end of September. And my buddy's like, Hey, make sure you have enough money because you're going to be down there for a while. So I basically just stopped spending and I was 21 when I ended up doing that. So, and that was the first year of Con Ag that I, that I attended. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I went down in the winter time and he said, Hey, save your money up. We're going to be down there for a while. So it's 21. And he's like, it was, it was one of those deals. Like I knew that if I wanted to enjoy my time down there that I just, I just had to save the money. And ever since then you've been saving just been, well, I don't know about that, but yeah, I mean, (laughs) once you start a company, you try to save, but it's doesn't, it it doesn't really work out that well. No, it it goes out the door pretty quick, huh? Very quick, sometimes faster than you want it to, but it's just the way things go when you do that. So, um, do you, did you, were you taking the winners off? Yeah. So I'd get laid off. Um, when I was on the crushing aggregate stuff, we'd get laid off, uh, the week of Thanksgiving. And then we would not typically come back anywhere from the first to like the third week of April. And that's a, I guess that's going back to saving. That's another important reason why you need to save because you're making the, yes. your, your salary for the entire, you're living for your entire year in just a few months and you need to live on that thing, all that money through the entirety of winter, unless, or you get a second job in the winter, but there's not a whole lot to do. Yeah. We would get unemployment. Um, you know, it's just kind of part of the deal, but I mean, it's not nothing compared to working a full-time job. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, when, how old are you when you started the company? How old are you now? I'm 25. 25. So you work since you're 18 in crushing aggregate did you get into construction at all or were you always in materials yep so i was in materials until i was oh two years 23 okay and then um basically the year my wife and i got married um i went on we went on our honeymoon we were gone i came back to work and they say hey we're gonna cut your wage and then i said okay i put my two weeks Mm. in in two weeks, I had a job for the our local civil contractor in town, and that's when I started in the construction side of things. Nice. 
So, yeah, then I worked with them. We actually got laid off. I think it was the first or second week of December um, that year. So I actually even got a few more weeks out of working than the typical crushing stuff. So, and that was last year? Uh, two, three years ago, October. So okay. in October. So I've been with these guys since October of 19. So, well, three seasons, two years. Yeah. Okay. So you, and what were you building? What were you working on? Uh, we actually had an airport project. Um, it was three phases. So basically three summers of heavy earth moving. That's pretty cool. Um, yeah, our last, the last phase was, uh, the most, uh, uh, amount of material. It was over 400,000 yards that we had to move. So that ain't bad at all. We had, oh, we had a 627 K out there and then, um, they rented a uh, Volvo, I think it was a 38-ton off-road with a K-Tex scraper. Yeah. And then we have, uh, that was a 38-yard pan, and then they have two 28-yard pans gotcha. on their own off-roads. So Pretty cool. Yeah, it was pretty, it was actually very interesting. Those were long days, six to nine, Monday through Friday. Six and to some nine. of those guys, six to nine. Wow. Yeah. And then some, of, and then those, some of those guys were there for all three phases. So it was six to nine for three summers in a row. Wow. That's pretty, that's, that's a long day. I mean, a 15 hour day. That's yeah. a very long day in equipment. And then especially if you're out on the ground, you know, normally they try to let the laborers out, you know, 13, 14 hours. At the max. So. Is it, um, you know, being newly married and everything like that, is it tough to manage a, a life when you're working like that? It, uh, it tests your marriage right off the bat. No kidding. Luckily, my wife knew, um, and she's a, she's a saint. Um, she kind of knew what she was getting married to because obviously she knew my work because we were together for about a year six eight months before we got married and she knew that i was working 60 70 80 hours a week so it wasn't unusual you know transforming to a job where i'm hardly there yeah were you were you uh still going home every night yep yeah so then once i moved to the civil contracting job uh yeah i'd be home every night so that was that was huge compared to being on the road um, yeah. my last year yeah. when I did crush for the aggregate stuff, the materials, I was working from home, um, and they were six days a week. So they were Monday through Saturday and she gives me crap all the time. Cause she's like, I tell her, yeah, we got a half day on Saturday, but the half day was a eight hour shift. It was six to two. <laughs> and she was like, that's a normal day for normal people. Not a half day. Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, you know, when I, when I was working, I mean, I do, I do a lot of hours now with what I do, it, but not saying it's the same as working, you know, 70, 80 hours a week in a, in a construction role. But when I was, you know, you'd have friends complaining about a 45 hour week or something like that. And, and you just sit yep. there kind of shaking your head. And you're like, yeah, I, that's not, that's not all that much work. I, I don't know what there's to complain about. That seems like a pretty good gig to me. Yeah. I, uh, my wife, uh, her brother uh, 
was with a gal and she was complaining about that. She said, yeah, I had to work 32 hours a week this yeah. week. And I was like, yeah. and then my wife looks at me and she's like, don't say anything. Yeah. Cause it's, it doesn't do any good being like, you know, I'm tougher than you, but also it's, it's, no. it's very tempting to give them a little shits and you know, wow, you almost did like a full work week this week. I mean, that's, that's exactly. a lot of hours. Yep. And it's like, come on. Like you almost want to kind of, slap them on the wrist and say, all right, come on now. I mean, it's 32 hours a week. It's not 75. Yeah. You know? Yeah. But that's, you know, it's, uh, it's a good thing. You make good money, uh, but not all that sustainable to say the least. No. The nice thing, I guess the nice thing about your area is you get, you get the winner, which is, I know a lot of guys enjoy, some guys don't enjoy it, but it seems to be a pretty good gig overall. Yeah. And I end up, since probably for two years now, I've ended up working all winter. So I work all summer oh, and then I ended up working there. So yeah, there, there you go. But not for the company. I normally work for a farmer, drive grain, uh, haul grain in the winter time or uh, plow snow. So yeah. And that, that is also the funny thing is guys that work 75 hours a week going to not working is oftentimes just not really an option for them. So the companies will say, oh, yeah. we give we give the guys all winter off. They can just hang out. It's like, hey, these these guys don't like to do that. It's just not in their DNA. They need to be moving. They need to be doing something. So they still work all winter. Yeah, plowing snow or uh, working on equipment, whatever it may be. There's there's winter jobs too. Yeah, no, and that's just it. It's, um, I, let's say I was kind of raised that way to work really hard and work for everything you got. So when it comes to layoff, it's, it's kind of like, all right, I got to figure out my list of my stuff. I have to get done repairs on my vehicles, uh, trailers, whatever. And, you know, then I'd start punching them out. We, you know, this week I'm going to work on my pickup and do a full service on the oil, the transmission, yeah. tires, brakes. And, um, yeah. And I mean, it's, it stinks, but it's just, it's just kind of part of the gig. You don't get a whole lot of time in the summertime to do it. So the time to go through all that stuff is in the wintertime. Yeah. Um, at, at what point do you start thinking, you know, maybe I ought to start a construction company because this seems like a really good idea. Well, I guess I more or less was doing it for uh, not the money. I mean, the money is the bonus. Sure. But um, the freedom every summer that I've worked taking a week long vacation just really isn't in the books. Yeah. I mean, you just, you can do it, but the problem is like, we go back to our conversation where your salary is eight months. You make your money in eight months compared to 12. So what, taking a week off is a week less of salary. and PTO for seasonal people is basically, I mean, that's non-existent. That's just, you don't really get PTO being yeah. a seasonal employee. So I started kind of pondering and then that's kind of the thought process of starting was eventually maybe once I start three, four years down the road, four years, maybe five years, however long it takes, I can take a two week long vacation and enjoy my mm. summer haven't been able to do that since I graduated high school. Yeah. And, and, and so that's the problem with going full bore all summer 
is everybody else wants to enjoy the summer and you probably want to enjoy your summer, like your family and they want to take vacations and do fun stuff. The, the sun's shining. The weather's nice. It's, it's, it's a fun place to live up in Minnesota or wherever you go in the summer. But then you're just, you're working like a dog. And then, okay, you work Monday through Friday. The last thing you want to go do is go do something on Saturday because you're so yep. wiped out. You don't want to go do anything. Yeah, normally uh, when we were doing the airport project, um, and this was before you know I started my business, obviously, um, it'd take about a half to three quarters of a day on Saturday to kind of get rolling just because of the fact that you know, your soul, like, go back to it. Working six to nine, yeah, I'm in equipment all day, but I mean, it's mentally, mentally draining. Totally. Um, and halfway through that airport project, you know, we had our daughter. So then I would help as much as I could. But, you know, being that I worked from 6 a.m. to 9, you know, I wasn't really there a whole lot for my wife. So on the weekends, that would be when I would, it'd be my turn. So then it was, you work all those hours and then to do that and take care of a child on top of that is very, very draining. So, and that's kind of what pushed the business more is once the daughter came, it really became a reality. Like we need to, we need to get something going here so we can better our future as a family. So it was, were you, were you, uh, were you just living on monster energy drinks? Uh, Red Bull, Red Bull, and coffee. Yeah, super, yep. super uh, classic. Um, so, so this the the reason to start a company was really motivated by, hey, this this lifestyle is isn't really what I want. It's a little unsustainable. I have a family now. I need a little bit more flexibility in how and when I work. Yep. Yeah. Mm. And um, like I say, I mean the money aspect is yeah it's obviously you make more money i mean when it comes down to it we want to be better off as a family and in theory in theory don't get big yep. don't get don't become yep. a big contractor because i i can tell you that's not true no yep. yeah and i mean just but yeah just basically our freedom for us to be able to take time off and and actually just enjoy you know our summer months more or less super cool well, uh, how did you get the idea? Um, well, I love equipment. Well, but what, I mean, I, you know, how did how did the idea of starting a company even even enter your mind? Because that's not, I don't know. I, I, I it's it's common kind of in this industry, but that's not the first place you go. Did you look at somebody else and be like, hmm, they got something pretty good going on? They work for themselves, or like, how did that even come up? Um. I don't do good with micromanagers mm. and I've had many bosses that are micromanagers. Mm. So, and it's just easier for me to just, I like to be able to make a decision. And when I make the decision, if it's the wrong decision, then I know like I can slap myself in the face and say, wow, that was stupid. Yeah. Or, you know, if it's something that I think is going to take off, it's going to be great. I can just go with it. And I know that I made the decision to fully do it and fully put everything into this and it's going to work out good or it's worked out good. You know? Do you think if uh, a company or the company you were at or whoever would have given you more the ability to make decisions on your own 
and a little bit more flexibility when it came to time off, would you still have started a company? I probably, I would have eventually, but I think it would have been definitely postponed at least two, three years down the road. Yeah. When you're, when you're out in the field, like what's uh what's an example of, of micromanagement? Like what are the level of decisions you wish you were able to make and own yourself? I would say, um, you know, when it comes to, um, say we're, you know, in an area and we're just kind of tidying up, say we're tidying up a ditch or something, right? Um, yeah. Some contractors or some foremen, they like to work from left to right or north to south, whatever. I mean, whatever way, you know, if I foresee a better way to do something, maybe I want to work northeast, you know, to southwest or whatever, right? Or southeast sure. or whatever. Yeah. Um, and I think that's better. In my opinion, I want to be able to make that call and say, hey, I think this is going to be better and more efficient for how we do things. Um, and they, will continue to just say, no, you can't. This is the way it's going to be done. Like, this is the way I want it done. This is the way you do it. And it'll be typically like at the foreman level. Yeah, typically. Yeah, it is. It, th- there's a lot of that. There's, yeah. there's a lot of that. I mean, that's what I, pe- I feel like people think that's what the foreman role is, is I'm the one that comes up with the plan and I tell people how to execute the plan and build it. And it, it's just not as I've learned with uh, Jocko and Echelon Front and everything we've done with leaders. It's uh, that's kind of the opposite of really what you should be doing. Yeah, it's it's really difficult because it makes the work environment hard when they don't even want to listen to a more efficient way. Yeah. Um. There's guys too that they say, "Hey, well, you're. I mean, everything we do, we're not a." a union company so we could get a lot of scale jobs and they say well you know you're on scale you, you should be loving it and it's like well the job's mm. still not to get done you know yeah there's that there's that mindset that that people just want money and so if you're giving them lots of hours they're good and as your story illustrates yeah you need money to support a family but it's not all that good of a motivator. And especially you as a young guy, you're like, Hey, I, I sure I want to make money, but I also want to kick ass here. Like I want to, I want to do a damn good job. I want to find better ways to build stuff. I, I, I don't just want a paycheck and maybe that's, you know, some of the old timers or people that have been around the block a while, they're like, Hey, just consistent paycheck. I'm good. I'll do whatever you want me to do. But I feel like like just human nature, you always want to do better and add more than just getting a paycheck. Yeah, I mean, it's nowadays, you know, the times have changed. Like you say, it's it's not about going to work, collecting a paycheck, and going home. Mm. I mean, there's just, I, uh, I lost my grandpa a few years ago, and I've just come to the terms that it's there's so much more to life than working 80-plus hours a week. You know, I hardly got to see him in his last, you know, summer where he was pretty mobile Mm. and it was it wasn't very enjoyable to say the least that's tough yeah very um and that's you know obviously too that has a huge play in things too with starting a business like you know being able to take luckily the company i was working for at the time they were just super flexible if i needed to go they let me go Mm. but i mean 
at that point, they knew what was going on. And then that's when I got transferred to the local plant to work. So. Was there, uh, you know, after, after he passed, was there regret there? Yes and no. I mean, as far as not being able to be there. Yeah. Yeah. Huge. I, I wish I could have been at a place or at a time and place in my life where I would have been able to be there almost every day. Yeah. Compared to, uh, you know, every other week. So it's tough, man. Yeah, definitely. For sure. Um, okay. So you, 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 you say, I am going to go start a company. Check. What's, what's the first step? How do you figure that one out? Well, the first step I did was I sat as I worked for, you know, 15 hours a day, I came up with a company name, mm. Prograde Excavating. Cool. Um, basically, the, the, the definition behind the name isn't because I'm a professional and it isn't because I'm professional at grading. It's professionalism. So, um, mm. as I was hearing and talking to, uh, people that were getting excavation work done, uh, septic tanks, um, you know, just simple driveways or a house pad. Um, the communication and the local contractors around is very difficult. Um, you're lucky to get a call back. What seems like to be the standard nowadays. Mm -hmm. So, um, and that's kind of how I started. So it was, Talking, it was coming up with my name and talking to homeowners and local contractors that I was friends with um, is the first step that I kind of took before I even started my LLC and all that. And uh, talking to people you knew, what, what would you ask them? I just asked them uh, simply, you know, it'd be people that uh, had a driveway done. I said, how was, you know, I was working with so-and-so, you know, was mm. it timely manner? Was it, you know, were they difficult to get a hold of? And I would say probably at least seven out of 10 times it was, it took them um, three months to get out here to do a driveway. That's 30 feet long. Yeah. Well, that's, that's pretty simple. The works there, you know? Yeah. yeah. Right. The, like identifying the need for professionalism is, pretty astute because as, especially at the small contractor level, it is like the wild, wild West. Yes. And, um, I kind of go with a lot of con, uh, local contractors and I'm sure as I get bigger, it's going to be harder to do defined dates. But I, when I bid a job and I go out there, I say, Hey, this is when I'm going to be out there. I'm going to be out here Saturday the 15th. And I go out there and I'm there Saturday the 15th. If I'm hung up at a job and it's, and it's taken me, and I know it's going to take me longer, I end up going after work and I go finish that. So I'm there at that job by Saturday the 15th. That's kind of the whole idea behind the professionalism. Um, I just don't like the, you know, I'll call you when I'm two weeks out. Two weeks ends up to be three months, four months. Yeah. And I get that. And it's, you know, getting to that bigger level, it does get to be more difficult, but communication is key. It's all the same principles, no matter what size you are. 
What? Uh, okay, so so you're 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 working away. You think up all right, company name, prograde, professionalism. Talk to people, get a feel for the market. Uh, you know how long? So how long between you making the decision to start a company bet- before you actually quit start a company? Okay, so when I came up with the company, it was in 2019. Okay, two years ago. That was before I left my aggregate job to work for the civil contractor. Mm. So I know I'm still working for the civil contractor now, but I started my company in July or in January. So it took. Oh, no kidding. Yeah. So I'm still fully employed for them. That's my full time job. And I started my business, and that is my side job. Oh, really? Yes. Okay. Do they know about that? Oh yeah, I actually buy yeah. most of my materials through them. So, oh good, because I was gonna say we we joke about I, I, people surprisingly actually listen to this podcast. <laughs> so I don't want to I don't want to get you in trouble here. Oh yeah, no, no, they're fine with it. I'm actually uh, the owner of the company that I work for. I was friends with him and his wife and the superintendent before I actually worked for him. Cool. Like I said, I went to Con Ag with them in 2017, and I wasn't even employed with the company at that time. So. Okay. I was good friends with them before, and then I uh, switched in to them and actually worked for them. I still work for them. And then um, I started my business, and I've actually gotten some business advice from the owner. So That's super cool. I feel, yeah, it's, it's, I feel like it would be hard to root against somebody that says, that works for you, says, hey, I'm going to go start a company, especially in construction. That, that happens, unfortunately because of this like finite game mindset of, you know, there's only so much market share and, Oh shoot, you just found out all my secrets about how to move dirt secretly, which isn't a real thing. Now you're going to go steal all of my customers, even though I'm way bigger and you're just creating driveways with the skid steer. It's, it's, I've seen it go in that route, which is a shame, but it's really cool when it goes in the positive way of, Hey, super neat. How do we support you? How do we help you out? And that's, that's like the best of both worlds is you're doing jobs on your own while working for somebody else. But how the hell do you do that if you're working so many hours at the other place? Um, very difficultly. Um, yeah. You just so, never, you just never sleep. Uh, hardly. Yeah. Um, yeah. I try to take on smaller stuff just because if I get into a project that's, I know is over 30 hours of excavating for myself, like it gets to be pretty tough to do it on the weekend. Um, I did well, take only, on yeah, 48 hours in a weekend. So yeah, I did take yeah. on two really big projects and it took for me for working on the weekend. It actually took me almost a month and a half to do two of those. So, huh. so I dug a basement. Uh, I started in May and I got done. I think it was the second, it was, a. Second to last weekend in May, it was the second weekend in June when I was done with it. Mm. Okay, so you, 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 I'm gonna go. I, I start a company in January. Yep. You go, what, like legalzoom.com and go make an LLC? I actually went to a local accountant and he set everything up for me. Um, he did all the LLC, yep, everything. Okay, that's good, good, and then, um, Basically, after that, I went and had a logo made. So 
I paid, I actually had two different logos made because I didn't want just one. I wanted two to pick from. Sure. So, and that costs a couple hundred bucks to do. And then I had business cards. Um, and then obviously I don't have stickers on any of the equipment, you know, or the pickup yet. So, um, but then I had hats, you know, I've had two sets of hats made and, um, done a little bit of advertising. So very cool. How do you, how do you get your first job? Oh, what was my first job? My first job was basement was one of the basement jobs that I did. That was one of my first. Um, and then another one was, uh, a bot, a friend of mine that does body work and his mom had a stump. So I ended up doing stump removal and a driveway for her. And then from there it was driveway here, another driveway and so forth. Through word of mouth or that's a nice looking driveway. Who did it? Yeah. Word of mouth. And then I actually did Facebook advertising twice. And then that's it. Did I that said, work? Yes. And then after I did my Facebook advertising for the second time, I said, I'm not advertising anymore. It's going to be uh, strictly natural flow. Um, if I get jobs, I get jobs. You know, it's meant to be. If I don't, then, you know, then I don't. I still, I'm still fully employed. So I don't need, I don't need to advertise because I still have a full-time job. Yes. But at some point you won't, correct? At some point I won't. And that's, um, I've actually been in conversation with uh, a couple of builders. Um, mm. So, yeah, and that's where like a couple of these jobs, these big ones I'm doing are actually for them. And they're, they support small business and that's mm. what they strive off. They are, they hire one man bands um, because they want them to take that next step towards business being self-employed. Okay. So, and this is, I think an important piece of all this young people can't really see the big picture a lot of times. And it's very frustrating. I've been guilty of it. I'm sure. I'm sure you've been there too. Everybody has. Um, You want more flexibility on how you live your life. Yep. Correct. But Right now, you have less flexibility than you did before. Yep. Because you're not only working, but you're also working more. Yes. But is it that you you've you know you've you've explained this to yourself, you've explained this to your wife, like, hey, things are gonna get a little tight around here as far as my time's concerned, because I'm gonna go out and build this, but I'll get it to a point and then I should get the freedom that I desire around this time is that how that conversation went how'd that go yeah so we i sat down with her and we just kind of went over it like hey this is gonna suck this winter and this summer because mm-hmm. it's gonna be working monday through monday like there's no vacation it's every saturday every sunday um i work and that's for myself i think i've had a total of two Saturdays off this summer. And one was for my daughter's first birthday. Actually, it's been three and I've been in two weddings. So I've been in two weddings and my daughter's first birthday. Those are the only Saturdays I've taken off. Well, well, I'm honored you're spending some of your Sunday with us. Yes. And then I get to go work 
after we're on off our conversation here, I get to go finish up a job here this afternoon. So, but but you guys, you know, you guys had that conversation. She's like, "Hey, whatever we got to do." Yep. Um, it's pretty cool. Yeah, and then she's uh, she's actually looking at finishing school, and when she's done with school, then we've even talked about making the leap at that point in our lives where I'd be fully self-employed. Just because then she can support our household on a very little income while we build business. Dude, I like we're similar age and I, I can, I have a hard time figuring out like, all right, what am I going to have for dinner this week? And, and, and you're, you're over there working a, 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 like a serious job with a lot of hours doing company on the side, small child at home, wife's going to go to school, going, finishing up school. There's a lot going on there. Oh man, it's, uh, it's crazy. And then we just, but that's, and then we just moved into our second house and then you, you just moved. Yeah. 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 But that, that's what you have to do. I think to get ahead, people, people don't want to give up or, or regress to get where they want to go. And then they're just bitter about it. But you, you, you've had to take a step back to then take a few steps forward as far as your time's concerned, you, you had to, you have to work even more than you were working before, which is crazy. Yeah. And we've, uh, I've even told her too, like right now I have a pretty nice pickup and I've actually even, we've even talked about getting rid of that just because, you know, the way I want the business to go, I really want to expand and grow the business before I have all this fancy stuff, you know? Yeah. And I've enjoyed having nice vehicles for the last you know, three, four years. But like I tell her, I tell her all the time, I say, you know, we're only on earth. You know, we have what, 75, maybe more years on earth. Who knows? If we got 75 years, that's plenty of time to buy a brand new pickup. Yeah. So, you know, and, and with, if you're going to sell your truck, now's the time to do yeah, it. Yeah, no kidding. Oh, dude, you'd get top dollar for that thing. Yeah, you know, the market is just nuts right now. Oof. Yeah. You could sell it and buy a house with the cash. It's, it is stupid how much trucks are worth right now. Yes. Anything, anything, uh, basically with even equipment, I've looked at equipment and it's just ridiculous. It's like top yeah. dollar. Yeah. Good luck getting anything right now. Uh, okay. So speaking of equipment, how'd you figure that one out? So, okay, cool. I get a, I got, I got a, I got a driveway. Then what? I, uh, I actually, before, before I started my LLC, I, I had my business, um, before I started the LLC, I went out and bought a cat skid steer, bought a 289 C2. Okay. So you bought a machine. Yep. I just bought it outright. I, I mean, I have, really? I have payment on it, but I mean, it, yeah. it is what it is. Yeah. So I bought it. It had 3,500 hours. When I bought it. Okay. And now it has 4,000. Where'd you buy it from? I bought it from a private party. Uh, just north of us, about two hours. So, okay. So you bought a skid steer because you wanted to do work. You didn't want to. Why? Why'd you buy a machine rather than rent? So, beings working full time to rent a machine, you have to have it back Monday morning at eight a.m. That's pretty difficult when mm -hmm. I work full time. And I'm gone at 8 a.m. on Monday. So buying was kind of the only option sure. for me. That would work the best anyways. That makes sense. I 
Yeah. And then my, so it's just, uh, my in-law, uh, so my wife's uncle has a excavator, a KX 040. So a little Kubota. And I rent that from him, but that isn't a set, you know, I don't, you know, if I pick it up on Friday, I can bring it back next Friday. Like he does. I mean, it's just super flexible. Whenever it works for you to pick it up and drop it off, that's fine. Yeah. Um, well, if you need to rent a 259 D3 that looks like a cow, let me know. I love it. I saw when you posted it up, I was like, that is awesome. Someone was telling me yesterday, they're like, you should, you should rent that out. It's a great idea. I need to pay for it somehow. Right. So, well, isn't that welcome what, to build isn't that equipment the, purpose, the purpose of your uh, grading company? Or the purpose of our grading company is world domination. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's our mission. World domination. Over, That's it. over all the other big guys, you know, those are, they're nothing compared to. No, as Alex and I call them big dirt. Yep. We're taking big dirt down, man. That sounds like a, sounds like a game plan to me. <laughs> have you, um, have you got into some of these jobs and, and bit off a little bit more than you could chew? Not yet. Um, I have ran into issues though, um, with my machine where I'm at a job and then it actually, you know, I have an issue and I have to, you know, working and you have stuff set, set on the weekend, you know, then you kind of have to fumble to try and find a machine to replace it to get the job done. That's what gets difficult. Um, mm-hmm. but I do, uh, when I get into something, I try to sit back when I'm going through the bid, um, you know, the first thing I do when I go out to someone, I say, Hey, you know, I do this on the side. This is my second job. I work full time. So I make it pretty clear. Like it might take longer, um, you know, than just a Saturday, Sunday, it might be a Saturday, Sunday, and then it might be Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday after work or something, or it might be the next weekend. Um, I haven't bid anything off too big. Um, not yet, anyways. Getting back to that. Get, that I get sidetracked too fast here. Well, that's a good lesson, though. Just being upfront with people. Yeah, I mean, I mean, honesty is truly the the key in life. Um, if you're honest with someone, they appreciate that more than you lying to their face and saying you're going to have it done on a Saturday and it's two weeks down the road. You know. Well, and there's yeah, that's where I feel like the fake it till you make it is taken out of context. Exactly. Like, sure. You do have to say you can do stuff that probably isn't within your skill set, absolutely. But you also don't want to be just lying to people. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Um, what's a good... Uh, have, have you got to a point where you've kind of wondered, like, is this really the best idea right now? Have you ever questioned it or you just like, just got your head down? Um, I... I have questioned one time uh, when something, when, when it seems like nothing goes right at a job, that's when you really question yourself, man, is this really what I'm supposed to do? Yeah. But you kind of, you kind of got to kick it in the ass and just power through it. You know, normally if something starts going really wrong, I just stop and I go home because if I try to keep going through and trying to get it done, that's normally when shit goes south. That's a that's that's a fantastic lesson too. It's uh, 
again, like we've talked, I've talked about this lately too. It's this never quit mentality. Like, like just, just, you know, never quit. You know, you just gotta, you just gotta keep grinding, but there's a lot to be said for, Hey, you know what? I'm gonna, this is not working the way I'm doing it. Uh, so I'm gonna, I'm gonna stop. I'm gonna take a break. I'm gonna not, not quit, but come back to it later and maybe try a different way to do it and see if that goes better because something's not working here. I, yeah. And that's, I think that's a good method. Yeah. And that's just, I mean, it's just becomes reality. Um, when you try to push something, that's when most of your mistakes are made. Um, I've noticed that I've done a boulder wall job and you know, nothing's going right. And then all of a sudden you're like, I need to have this done tonight because I can't be here next week. Mm -hmm. And as soon as you say that, you might as well just go home because you start having, Mm -hmm. I mean, everything, you know, do you try to place a rock, you know, along the lakeside and then the rock, you know, a three foot boulders rolling down into the lake. Now I got to go fish it out of the lake. Classic. Yeah. I mean, I hate hate it when that happens. Yeah. It does get to be miserable at this. It just seems like, all right, I need to stop. I'll come back tomorrow night and I'm going to finish this up with a better mindset. What, um, what have you screwed up? What have I screwed up? I put a boulder wall in and I ended up being like six inches, eight inches too low. And when I, did the job i told the gal like hey you know i'm gonna end up putting this in low because i don't know what your patio height is gonna be or whatever and yeah i had to go back and redo it on my dime. the whole thing the whole thing woof yeah that was not yeah that was not enjoyable but um it was just one of those deals um when we, when I did it, I said, no, if anything's wrong, call me, I'll change it. And she wanted it higher once we figured out the concrete. Cause she didn't even know she's like, well, I think it might be this high or it might be this high. I said, well, I'll come out and do it. Um, the concrete guy that was doing patio was out three months. So I did the job, cleaned everything up. He came out and said, hey, we're going to be out here in two weeks. We need this, all these rocks higher before we come in because we don't want this patio area disturbed once you pour the slab. And then it was a grind time. But it's easier almost to redo something that you've already done because I just literally, you know, you take the pieces out and I started in the middle and I worked my way out each way. Mm. Why, why redo it? Because you could have said, nah, not going to redo it. It goes back to professionalism. Yeah. I give you my word. I'm going to tell you I'm going to do the job right. You know, if you're not happy with it, if you're not 100% happy with it, you know, tell me, I'll fix it. You know, I'm, when I do something or buy something, right, most of the time, I'm 100% happy with the purchase. You know, I bought almost a brand new pickup. I was super happy I bought it, right? If I wasn't happy, you know, if I bought like a 2002 Toyota Camry, obviously I probably wasn't very happy at buying it. And I'm not going to want to keep it. Hey, I love Toyota Camry. No offense it. to the Camry lovers out there. but Yeah, yeah. Watch the bub. <laughs> 
but I mean, yeah. uh, just the gist of it, you know, if you're not happy with it, tell me. And I tell people that all the time, like if it came down to it and they're, uh, you know, I do the job done two weeks later, they call me and say, Hey, you know, can you come out and do something a little different here? I say, yep, I'll be out there tomorrow. And I go after work and I go out there and I'll fix it. Hmm. What did you learn from that screw up? What would you do differently next time? I think differently, I would have wanted to ideally meet with the concrete contractor at the same time I was about to do the wall installation. Um, and same with that, uh, even same with the basement job too. You know, we've kind of gone back and forth and he's very difficult, but meeting with the contractor um, would be something that I would have done. And I, I now do it. I actually will not go out. I look at a job and I say, hey, this is what it's going to cost, but I need to know the other details behind it. You know, um, that is the biggest lesson I've learned is, you know, it's not just me out there doing the job. There's other people that are going to be out there working on the same property, working on the same home. You know, the communication between the two needs to be better. Um. How did you learn how to estimate? Did you just sit down at your computer and be like, okay, so it's going to, I don't I think I do this driveway in this many hours and this is how much my skid steer costs and diesel. And so was that what it was like? Well, or? basically from working in civil contracting and anything, you know, I kind of knew how long stuff somewhat, some things kind of took. Um, obviously mm-hmm. the equipment we have is much larger. I mean, you can move stuff three times as fast, but, um, you kind of, you kind of learn, I guess, more or less for time. Um, the machine cost is for the hourly rate is pretty set around here. I mean, you're anywhere from 90 to 120 an hour for a skid steer. Um, my rate's 95. I'm pretty open about that. I tell anybody it doesn't bother me. It's pretty competitive. Um, how'd you, fi- how'd you figure out what the equipment rates are in your area? Um, basically from, I have three friends. This is, this is where it gets tricky. I have three friends that do the same exact thing huh. and they are all within 60 miles of me. Ah. So. Con- and they're still friends. Still friends. Con- conversing oh, with oh, them. Yes. Conversing with them, um, to try to set the market around here the same so not one's getting chopped at the knees you know um sure obviously i i'm a little cheaper just because i don't do it full-time so i'm not going to charge a full-time rate for my machine if that makes sense well that oh so is the is the reasoning behind that because you need a little bit more flexibility on their end because you're not yes. full-time so because because okay. I was going to say, I was like, I don't know if that's the best way to do it, yeah. but I understand if you're asking for flexibility. Because of that, yeah. Because that since I can only work on a okay. Saturday and a Sunday, and maybe after work, depending on the time I get done, um, yeah. I, save, I save the money on the hours, you know, on my hourly rate. That makes sense. So, and then um, for my materials, since I have my own pit, um, I actually, 
um, give them a discount on my materials also for flexibility. What do you mean you have your own pit? So I have an old, uh, I have a gravel pit on our property. So sand, boulders, pit run, class five. Really? Pit. Like where you live? Uh, it's at my grandma's place, but it's just down the road from our house. So yeah. That's convenient. Yeah, it's actually super nice. Black dirt. Yeah, we got it. We got it all. So really? Yeah. That's a hell of a perk. It uh it really helps my business out because not all the time I have to buy things from my job. So Yeah. Make a little Yeah, no, you could have been could have been like a barber. Sure. It's like, okay, my grandma's a gravel pit, but it doesn't do me any good as a barber. Well, exactly. Yeah, so it's convenient. You're a contractor. That's that's fantastic. Yeah, it works out. It works out huge on my end um, because when I buy materials from my work, I don't really upcharge. I don't add an additional charge onto theirs because I just don't want all that paperwork with all that. Whereas when I sell my own material, I'd rather do all the paperwork for that, more or less. Makes sense. Mm-hmm. Tax reasons, you know. Um, sure. Yeah. I don't know. And it just, you know, when people, some people like to do stuff on their own. And when they call around, they say, there's retired people that are bored, believe it or not. And they will call and see how much it costs for material from this company that I work for. And if they think you're screwing them. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And that's just the headache. I, I try to just dismiss. It's just, I tell them, this is what it costs. You can, I tell them, you can call and have them deliver it. And it's going to be the same price if I call and have them deliver it. Simple life. I mean, now when it's my own materials, it's cost the same amount from my pit as it does from their pit. But I'm making all the money then compared to the company I'm buying it from. Sure. That makes sense. I mean, it's... And you have, uh, on the financial side of things, you have that CPA helping you out? Uh, no. You just went to them to help you set things up to begin yep. with? Yeah, he just set he just set it up for me. And then I, uh, yeah, I was supposed to meet with them here like a month or two ago. And we were going to kind of go over things. But working 70, 80 hours a week and Saturday, Sunday, it's pretty difficult to get in there. So. So what what does the next year or two look like for you? Well, when my wife's done with school is when we've talked about going full-time, obviously. Um, just because it'll be easier financially with her working, having a degree, this and that. So, I mean, she has a year left of school. So, you know, if she gets in this fall, she'll be done next spring. So we could, it could be as early as next spring, but you know, I just listened to one of your podcasts and you talked about having capital is huge. And that's kind of where I am working on is I'm trying to build my capital to be able to survive and not have to rely on a full-time job where, sure, you know, if I'm at a job, you know, and you know how this goes, cause you've talked to many, many contractors, sometimes you're out thousands and thousands of dollars of materials before you get paid you know for me being out three thousand dollars in materials as a weekend operation 
that's huge. Yeah. That's that a lot of money to, yeah. to wait on. And mm-hmm. it gets to be difficult. Like right now I'm in a project and it's, you know, I'm waiting to get paid, but I'm waiting for contractors and it's, it's not just a small, you know, thousand dollar you know, deal. It's over $10,000 and that's huge, you know, to not, not be able to yeah. collect that income until everything is done makes it difficult. Um, to do it full time just because, I mean, you simply can't afford to live on nothing. You mean you need to have income. It's part of life. And that is the conundrum of a contractor. It's, it's where it gets, it's where it gets really difficult. Um, being a one man band that does it on the weekends is not having that big capital to be able to just be okay with whatever. Well, all of this was extremely insightful because we get, Alex and I get so many questions from people on how do I start a company and how do I get customers and should I buy a piece of equipment or I'm working for another company now, but I want a little bit more flexibility. And here you are. Here I am. Um, can people follow along? Do you post on all, yeah, online? So what, I have you do? a Facebook page, ProGrade Excavating. I have Instagram, ProGrade Excavating. Um, I don't post a lot, obviously, because I'm not, I'm still working full time. So I normally post when I get a job done or something, I'll post, you know, the before and afters, um, kind of, kind of general contractor as a beginning contractor does. I don't advertise on Instagram or Facebook. So it's just, yeah, just some pictures of jobs I do. So nothing too crazy. Yeah. I think that's that's awesome. Do you want to shout out the company you work for too? Since yeah, they've been cool Haug, to you? Uh, Haug Incorporated in Detroit Lakes, Minnesota. Yeah, they've cool. been they've been awesome. They've treated me very well as uh, as a uh, single man company, and you know they're when I order materials and stuff. Like you say, we go back to you know you have all that out, you know, and they've been super awesome. They let me. No other contractor or company basically let me set up a charge account and they were the first ones to do that. So very cool. Yeah. Very cool. And I take it they're probably hiring right oh, now. Oh, they huh? are. Pipe layers and laborers. I, oh, they are. Yeah. This is the this is Jack. the longest I've been out of a dozer in seven years of being in or in five years of running dozer. This is the longest I haven't been in a dozer. I've been putting pipe in the ground for the last three weeks. What a change of pace. I can Gotta tell get you in that. The ground. Dude, pipeline. I mean, that's where I started out. And it's, um, yeah, it's, it's a lot of work. Lost a couple pounds. So that's good. That's good. It's yeah. good for you. You gotta, gotta get out of the cab every once in a while. You stay in the cab too long. You start to, you start to put the on the weight. Munchies are terrible. Oh my God. Oh yeah. Yeah. Cause you're working, you're thinking you're, you're, you're sitting there all day and, and sure. Yeah. I'll just eat. That sounds yeah. good to me. Yeah. It's yeah. Unless you have, unless you have just you're an excavator operator and you have trucks up your ass all day and you don't even have a second to think. right. Yeah, that's that's when it gets different. Or when you're pushing three scrapers or yeah. four scrapers and you're the only push those are out yeah, there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's like, all. Yeah, I've seen those guys say like, yeah, haven't eaten today because haven't yep. had time. Cool. 
All right, Brock. Well, we uh, appreciate some of your time today. Yeah. No, it's been awesome. I'm glad you guys were able to let me be a part of something and kind of shed some light on how to kind of get going and how I how I've done it and made it work. So. No, it's super cool that we get to talk to you when you're like right in the thick of things. Because we, again, it's, it happens all the time. P- people reach out all the time saying, you know, you should, you should talk to someone like this. Or you should talk to someone like that. And we try to give a good sample size of the dirt worlds on here. We don't always do perfectly at that. And me, I, I come at it from like, I just want to talk to a bunch of executives because I think that's just what I've been around. That's what I'm fascinated mm-hmm. by. So I think that part of the business is super cool, but a lot of people want to hear from just people that are trying to figure it out. I enjoy it too. So here you are. Explaining, explaining how difficult it is, but it's, it all pays off, you know, the long, in the long game, it's, that's where it's at. That's what they've told me. Can't speak from experience, but that's (laughs) what they've told me. One day. (laughs) Yeah. One day. All right. Cool. Thanks, man. Thank you. Dirt Talk is hosted by Aaron Witt and produced by me, Alex Horton. To connect with other people who listen to this show, use and search for the hashtag BetterDirtWorld and join in on the conversation. If you have questions, comments, or concerns, reach out to dirttalk at buildwit.com. Stay dirty. Stay dirty.